right? You seen how people gave so many excuses for them? I bet you they won't even. One of the youngest, most brilliant and trusted men in the International Secret Police has just brought a spectacular criminal case to a successful conclusion. Now he is about to go on a well-earned vacation, and we find him in his rooms with Speed Gibson, his orphaned 15-year-old nephew whom he is raising. He has his hands full, for Speed is the typical American boy, interested in shortwave radio, aviation, and most of all, in the International Secret Police. Because of Speed's interest in the organization and his evident aptitude, Clint has been teaching him as many rules and regulations of the secret police as he could without violating his oath of secrecy. As a result, Speed looks on crime as the height of weakness, failure, and cowardice, and has determined to do his part to end it. His admiration for his uncle and his work drives Speed on to study everything useful to a member of the secret police, for he is determined to join that organization and work with Clint. At the moment, however, Speed is working on a model of the China Clipper while Clint is reclining on the couch, snowed under with travel folders. Oh, oh boy. This is the life. <laughs> Nothing in the world to do but decide where to go on a vacation. Hey, let's see now. Here's Palm Springs, uh, Miami, the mountains. Uh, hey, Speed, where would you like to go best? China. China? <laughs> Look here, fella. I can only get away for about a week or ten days. Be reasonable. Uh, uh, what's that, Uncle Clint? Uh, oh, no, you didn't hear a word I said. Come back from wherever you are and listen to me, will you? This is important. Gee, I'm sorry, Clint. But when I get working on this clipper model, I forget about everything else around me. <laughs> you imagine you're actually flying in it, huh? I suppose I yanked you back from Wake Island when I asked you where we ought to go for our vacation. Mm, no, I, I believe it was Midway. Say, <laughs> Speed, with your imagination, you could stay right in this room and fly all over the world. Yeah, but I'd not rather really fly, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know, flying is my middle name. I've had enough traveling for a while. What I want to find now is a nice, quiet place where there's nothing to do but rest. Oh, heck, that's no fun. Well, maybe not for you, but it's fun for me. 
On my vacation, I'm going to do nothing but enjoy the beauties of nature. No. Someone's at the door. <laughs> so I hear. Uh, see who it is, Speed. If there's anyone for me, tell them I've gone to China. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's Barney. Hello, kid. Is the mastermind at home? Yeah, he's on the couch trying to find a vacation spot where he can do nothing but admire the beauties of nature. Well, he don't have to go away on a vacation to do that as long as he's got me around. <laughs> oh, say, when you come around, I see nothing but trouble. Now, you better not tell me that you've just come from headquarters and that the chief wants to see me about another job. Can't a guy drop in for a friendly visit without being accused of everything under the sun? No, I'm glad you came, Barney. Look at my clipper model. Say, that's a beaut, kid. First thing we know, you'll be piloting one of them clipper planes across the water. Maybe. But I'm going to be in the secret police like Clint and you. That's why I've been studying all the rules and regulations and asking you and Clint so many questions. Well, <laughs> you've got a flair for it, all right, Speed. But you know, it's the hardest work a man can do. I'll say it is. Especially when you're in the strong-arm division like me. That's what you want to work for, kid. Oh, is that so? Oh, listen, you big ox. Brains will get you out of many a fix that Braun never could. <laughs> I thought I'd get you off of that couch sooner or later. <laughs> the first time he's been off of his breakfast, Barney. And you'll notice I didn't use any muscles getting him off either. It was brains. Who was it said he had the brains and me the brawn for our partnership, huh? Both have plenty of both, if you ask me. I don't know what that's going to leave me when I start working with you. Oh, now don't worry, Speed. You have youth, a fresh viewpoint. Say, we've been in the game so long, we're apt to get in a rut. You'll be able to see many things that we may overlook. Well, now that that's all settled, is there anything to eat in this place? No, but that's an idea. What do you say uh, you go out and buy some food and bring it back here? Oh, yeah? If I get food, I should come back here with it. Oh, please, Barney. Can I go on your vacation with you if I do? Huh? Nothing doing. I see enough of you when I'm working with you. I want to rest in peace. Yeah. If it wasn't for me, you'd have been resting in peace long ago. I've gotten you out of plenty of scrapes. Why, the yeah, All right, all right now, yes. I admit that I couldn't breathe if it weren't for you. But if you'll only forget the past and stop talking shop. I'm on my vacation, my boy, even if I am still at home. I bet you'll stay at home, too, Clint. The chief will have a new case for you before we can get away. He will not, because we're leaving tonight. Where are you going? I don't know yet. And I do know it'll be someplace where headquarters can't reach me. Uh-oh. <laughs> so you're going on a vacation, eh? Uh, answer it, Speed. Say I'm not here. But, Clint... Uh, answer it. Hello? Oh, hello, sir. Yeah, yeah, he's here. For you, Clint. It's the chief. <laughs> Speaks well for your training, Clint. The kid won't lie even for you. No, sir. Hello, Chief. Hmm? Uh, yes, we're leaving tonight. Chief, it's another big job. I wish you'd take it. Uh, what's that, Chief? Oh, now look here, sir. You promised me a vacation, and I'm going to hold you to that promise. Well, if something's up, let the other boys handle it. Why, sure, you're plenty of good men there. Yes. Uh, no. Yes. No. I wish he'd make up his mind. Shh, I want to hear. Oh, yes, I can reach Barney Dunlap for you. He's right here. Uh, what's that, Chief? You want speed. Gee, the Chief wants me. Right down and listen. Oh, no, I can't do that, sir. I I'm very sorry, but... Oh, yes, I'll send Barney over, but don't count on me. I'm certainly not speed. Uh, what's that, Chief? The octopus. 
I'll be right over. Yes, sir. Now, what's on the fire, Clint? What the chief want me for, Clint? Uh, the vacation's off speed. Come on, Bonnie. We've got to get down to headquarters right away. The octopus gang's at work again. The octopus gang? Suffering and wangdoodles. Where to now? Uh, Hong Kong. Oh, where's my tie? Where's that coat? Here they are, Clint. Well, what's the octopus gang? Oh, it's the worst criminal gang in modern history, Speed. No one has ever seen the leader, the octopus, but his organization covers the earth. Exactly like the tentacles of a giant octopus. He's diabolical. A genius of evil, with a brain so brilliant that he has successfully eluded every effort made by Scotland Yard, the French Sûreté, and even our own secret police. Gee, he's your public enemy number one then, isn't he? Kid, from all I've heard of him, he's a super-colossal public enemy number one. Yes, and his power is constantly growing. He must be trapped. It'll be our biggest job, Barney. I'm ready for it, buddy. Come on, then. The chief naturally didn't give him any details on the case over the phone. He just mentioned the octopus. But that was enough for me. But what about me, Clint? The chief mentioned me, too, didn't he? Oh, yes, Pete, but he had the wrong idea. Haven't time to tell you now. I will when I get back. Oh, no, Clint. Let me go with you, please. Now, Speed, what's the most important thing a member of the secret police must know? How, how to obey orders. Well, then, as your superior officer, I order you to remain here until we get back. Yes, sir. And carry on with the China Clipper while we're gone, fella. Gee, Barney, how can I work on a Clipper model when there's something really big in the air? Well, kid, I don't know. I wonder what the chief wanted with me. Oh, doggone it. So long, kid. I'll bring some food back. Clint always says how fine I'm doing in the secret police studies. But when I maybe get a chance to do some real work, what happens? I gotta stay home. No adventures could ever happen here at home. Oh, now what? Oh, uh, hello. Does Clint Barlow hang out here? Clint Barlow? Why, uh, he's not here. Oh, no. Don't try shutting the door in my face. If he ain't here, that's fine. I'll just come in and wait. <laughs> but not long enough for him to get back. Uh, who, who are you? Just call me Blackie if you must call me something. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little joint Barlow's got here. Well, what do you want with my uncle? Listen, I didn't come here to answer no questions, see? Just keep out of my way and you won't get hurt. But don't bother me none. I I won't, but 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 I gotta make a few phone keep calls. Get away from that phone if you want to stay healthy. Well, I... I'm speaking of phones, your uncle was talking on that one just a few minutes ago, wasn't he? I, I, I don't know. You don't, huh? And I'll tell you, he was and I wasn't here. Barlow was chinning with his chief about the octopus gang. Octopus? Uh, that's a kind of fish, isn't it? Sometimes. Play dumb if you want, Speed Gibson, but you ain't fooling nobody. I heard the chief talking to Barlow about you. You, you heard him? Yeah, your phone wires tapped. I didn't learn much, but what I did hear made me kind of curious. I saw Barlow and his pal leave, so I thought I'd mosey in and learn some more. Well, who are Never you? Never mind. I'm going to take a look around. Maybe I'll find something that'll tell me more than you can. Hey, hey, keep away from that desk. Who says so? Sit down and shut up. Keep your hands off those things. You keep away from me or I'll fix it so you won't worry about what I'm doing here. Huh. What's that on the table? My clipper ship. Yeah? I suppose your Uncle Clint made it for you. No, I made it. It's just like the real one. The body's real heavy. I weighted it so as it'd have perfect balance. Uh, I ain't interested in clipper ships. Well, here's one that'll be interesting to you. Oh. Golly, I knocked him cold. Hey, Pete, let us in. Yeah, I forgot my hat. Suffering wang doodles. Who's this guy? Somebody's put him on ice. 
Now look at Speed's clipper model. It's wrecked. Yeah, I ruined it. Who is this man? He was looking through all your papers in the desk here. And he knew about you talking with the chief about the octopus gang. Said he'd tapped our wires. Let me get the handcuffs on him. Did I do the wrong thing, Clint? The wrong thing? Why, you're the best man of the three of us. Come on, get your coat, Speed. You've got to come along and deliver your prisoner. What? If the chief doesn't make you a bona fide member of the secret police for this, I'll eat Barney's hat. Speed, you're the first person who's ever captured an octopus gangster. Come on, let's get to headquarters. of the International Secret Police. Ceiling zero, ceiling zero, ceiling zero, ceiling zero, ceiling zero. In the first episode, you remember, Clint Barlow, brilliant young operator of the International Secret Police, was called to his chief's headquarters for details of a new case concerning the activities of the octopus, the most dangerous criminal alive. With Clint was Barney Dunlap, his right-hand man. During their absence, a member of the octopus gang came to Clint's rooms, and in spite of the presence of Speed Gibson, Clint's 15-year-old nephew, sought to go through the operator's papers. Speed knocked the man unconscious with the model of the China Clipper that he was constructing, and now we find Speed, Clint, and Barney in the chief's office with their sullen prisoner, Blackie Spears. Why did you go to Barlow's room, Blackie? I ain't talking. He did plenty of talking to me, Chief Riley. He knew that Clint and Barney were on their way here. Said our telephone wires had been tapped, and he heard you talking to Clint. And he arrived shortly after Clint and Barney left, huh? Yes, sir. Well, that means he must have been in the same building. Maybe he took a room there, too. But why? Why was my phone line tapped? Now, how did he know anything was in the wind? The octopus has ways of knowing things, Clint. Almost before anyone else knows about them. Blackie, it'll be a little easier on you if you'll tell us what you know. You're in a secret police. Supposing you find all that out for yourself. Let me smack him one, Chief. No, Barney. Keep your fist to yourself. We'll keep Blackie Spears with us for a while. Maybe he won't talk to us, but neither will he be able to talk to his gang or be able to get word to the octopus as to what's happened. You can't keep me here. No, can't we? You force an entrance into my rooms, admit to my nephew that you tap my phone wires, then you go through my private papers. We can keep you here all right. Yeah? Well, if it hadn't been for that kid slugging me with his aeroplane, you guys never would have touched me. I'll get you for that, Speed Gibson. You just try anything and I'll sock you again. That's the Speed aren't going to help you any, Blackie. Take him out, Barney. Tell Kelly to put him in solitary. Yes, sir. Come on, tough guy. You can't do this to me, I tell you. The gang will rub you out. Ah, save your breath. We don't scare you. Well, I guess that takes care of Blackie Spears, all right. Yeah, thanks to you, Speed. If you hadn't used your wits, he'd have gotten away or perhaps shot it out with Clinton Barney when they returned before he expected them. <laughs> That's right, Chief Riley. And all because Barney forgot his hat. Well, he made me sore, going through Clint's papers like that. 
And the secret police books I've been studying say that you should never give a criminal an even break. <laughs> Something to that effect, Speed. The idea is that the criminal never gives a detective a chance, so it's better to capture him first, disarm him, and then start talking. I sure smashed my china clipper on his head. <laughs> Didn't do his head any good, either. Has a lump on it about the size of an egg. Speed, how would you like to fly in the real china clipper? The real clipper? Oh, gee, Chief. Honest? Now, wait, now hold on there, Speed. Now, what do you mean, Chief? Well... You remember I said something over the phone about using speed on this job, Clint? Mm -hmm. And I said no. Oh, Clint. Supposing you hear the whole story before making a decision, Clint. Our Far East operator sent word by code that the octopus has reared his ugly head in China. Hong Kong, to be exact. Mm, what's his racket this time? Smuggling. Dope and natives. Running dope in and natives out. Doing it on a wholesale scale. His enormous and very effective organization makes his illegal business a lot safer than most legal businesses. And far more profitable. And the best way to combat the evil is at the source. China. Mm -hmm. You want Barney and me to break it wide open, huh? Yes. You're to take the next clipper ship. It leaves day after tomorrow. I've already reserved passage for you. You proceed to Hong Kong at once. Good. Doesn't give us much time, but I've done more or less. Lucky, though, you reserved the passages. Yes, for you, Barney, and Speed. Oh, boy! Oh, now, listen, Chief. Now, Speed doesn't fit into this picture. I wouldn't think of taking him into that hotbed of danger. He's already in it, Clint. I said before that the octopus has ways of knowing things. Perhaps he already knows of Speed's part in Blackie's capture. Once you leave for China, no matter where, you may send your nephew. His life will be in actual danger. Well, that's true. On but... the other hand, the octopus will never dream that he's traveling with you. In fact, he can have no knowledge that you're crossing on the China Clipper. And this is where your uncanny knowledge of makeup may bring you close to the octopus. Oh, you mean I should use a disguise? Eh? Well, you've never been yourself on any job you've undertaken. That's been one of your secrets of success. No criminal knows how the real Clint Barlow looks except Blackie Spears. And his knowledge won't do him any good for a long time. That's right, Clint. You know more about makeup than any actor. Well, you can change your whole appearance by just adding a little to your nose or changing your eyebrows or taping your eyes. Yes, the stage lost an excellent actor. And the secret police gained its best operator. But I not only want you to travel under an assumed face and personality, Clint, but Barney and Speed as well. No one is to know who you are. Your safety lies in your lost identity. Well, it's an old story to me, Chief, but as for Speed here, Please I Please let don't me know. go, Clint. I can help out in all sorts of ways. I'm counting on you, Speed. Your quick thinking in Blackie's case convinced me that you can help us in the capture of the octopus. You'll never be in the front line, so to speak. That'll keep him out of actual danger, Clint. But you as a boy will be able to see and learn things that an adult cannot. You bet I will. Oh, gee, Clint. Can I go? Can I? Well, after what Chief Riley has said about the danger of leaving you here, and if I can use makeup on you, uh... All right. Yes, you can go. I, I can't see anything else now. Wee! Oh, boy, what an adventure this is going to be. Not an adventure, Speed. But hard, dangerous work. The odds are tremendously against capturing the octopus. But you can't fail. And now, I have here full details as to the course I've laid out for you, Clint. Oh, but first I must swear Speed into the International Secret Police. Are you ready to take the oath, Speed? I... Uh... I'm ready, sir. Then listen carefully. And see if you're still willing to join our force after hearing the oath. Yes, sir. Raise your right hand. Do you, Speed Gibson, as a member of the International Secret Police, promise to obey and protect law and order in your own country or wherever else your duties may carry you? Will you cooperate with the foreign police after you have fulfilled your mission? 
And will you, above all else, recognize the code of the secret police? Courage, honor, and silence. And not betray it in any manner whatsoever? I promise, sir. <sighs> You've bitten off a large hunk there, fellow. And I welcome our newest and youngest member. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> What's going on here? Barney, I'm a member of the International Secret Police now, and I'm going with you to capture the octopus. Yeah, huh? That's right, Barney. After we get our orders from the Chief, we're off. Off where? Alameda. After I change our appearance with makeup... Alameda? You mean... We're taking the China Clipper day after tomorrow. <laughs> Speed. Isn't it a beauty? Look at that wing spread. Yeah, I hope them wings are spreading up to take us where we're going. <laughs> oh, doggone this mustache. <laughs> What's the matter, Barney? Oh, this phony misplaced eyebrow you stuck on my upper lip tickle. <laughs> it sure looks like it grew there, though, Barney. And that squint that Clint gave you, I never know you in a million years. Yeah, well, I wouldn't know you either. What with them specs you're wearing and the way Clint made your nose thinner by shading it with grease paint. You look real studious. Not like the guy that knocked Blackie over the head with a clipper model. <laughs> and Kent looks kind of foreign, don't he? With his hair dyed black and curled. He darkened his skin, too, and wearing kind of foreign clothes. Like a Frenchman. Well, now, don't forget that I'm supposed to be your French tutor, Speed. Now, wait. Have you got the whole story straight? I think so. Barney here's supposed to be my dad. We're from Texas. Yeah? He's kind of rich from his oil wells and wants me to grow up a gentleman. And you're supposed to help make me one. Teaching me French and manners. The whole thing's crazy, if you ask me. Yeah, but nobody's asking you. You just stick to that story. Uh, what's your name? My... Now I know you're crazy. Oh, not your real one, your assumed name. Oh, um, Fletcher, Jim Fletcher. And speed here is Earl. <laughs> Earl Wells, get it? <laughs> yes, and I'm Pierre Dorset. Now I'm going to speak with a very slight French accent. And uh, you'd better use a drawl, Barney. What should I use? Oh, you talk to your with you, Speed. It'll be safer because you're not as old in the game as we are. You might forget to keep up an accent. Well, anyhow, you're getting an education from your French tutor and by traveling around the world. Hot ziggity! Oh, now don't say things like that. In fact, the less you say in public, the better. Kind of carries out the student idea. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be thinking instead of talking. Say, they're winding up the clipper motors. Yeah, won't be long now. Then I'm warming them up. Gee, I'm so excited, I don't know what to do. Just think, I'm really going to fly in a China Clipper. Wait a minute, what's wrong? That man, that loser suit standing right over there. Remember him, Barney? Say, wasn't he in on that jewel smuggling racket three years ago? Right, one of the cleverest smugglers in the business. But we caught him and I thought he was safe behind the bars for a good long time. He must have been paroled. Yeah, but why is he going on the China Clipper at this time? Say... I wonder if he's going in with the octopus on his smuggling. Hmm. We don't even have to wait to get to China before we start meeting up with that gang. Well, maybe I'm all wrong. Maybe his going is pure coincidence. And then again, maybe not. Do you think he'll recognize you and Barney, Clint? No, Steve. Our disguise is entirely different. On the board for the China Clipper. Stops at Honolulu, Midway Island, Wake Island, Guam, Manila, and the Orient. 
gee, now we can go aboard. Wait, wait a minute, Steve. Let our friend in the blue surge get aboard first. What happens when we get to Manila? We'll wait and see what happens aboard the clipper first, Barney. Can we go now, Clint? The flight crew has gone aboard. Yes, but remember, from now on, when there's anyone else within hearing distance, you're Earl Fletcher, Barney is Jim Fletcher, and I'm Pierre Dorsey. You got it? Yes, Monsieur Dorsey. Monsieur Dorsey. Now watch yourself. Here come some other passengers and... Wait a minute. What do you see? That man in the blue serge suit. He's talking to that little guy in the checkered suit. Yeah. And they're looking straight at us. Clint, that guy has spotted us. He's recognized us. They're going to keep us from getting aboard. He's calling that policeman. Come on. We've got to make it. of the International Secret Police. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. As you remember, in the last episode, Speed Gibson, his uncle, Clint Barlow, ace operator in the International Secret Police, and Barney Dunlap, Clint's working partner, were about to board the China Clipper in disguise and under assumed names bound for Hong Kong, where the dread criminal, the Octopus, has renewed his smuggling activities. Just as they approach the giant plane, however, Clint recognizes in one of the other passengers a jewel smuggler whom he and Barney sent to prison a few years previously. The man sees them at the same time says a few words to his companion, who in turn summons a nearby police officer. The boys try to get to the plane, but are stopped by the officer and the smuggler, who claims to be a private detective and who says that Clint, Barney, and Speed have been acting suspiciously and should be held for investigation. For a few tense moments, it looks as if the boys will miss the clipper plane, but Chief Riley has been so careful about their passports, using their assumed names and disguises, and has provided credentials so excellent that the officer at last releases our friends and reprimands the supposed private detective to be more careful of his accusations thereafter. He mumbles something about mistaken identity. Then he and the boys board the plane, and now we find our friends comfortably seated in the clipper, six hours out of San Francisco. See, I can, I can hardly believe that we're really flying in the clipper. Seems most too good to be true. I'd hate to be flying without it. 
We must be plenty high to be above the fog down there, Speed. Yeah. Isn't it swell, Barney? The moon makes the fog look all silver. Folks down on the ocean probably can't see the moon at all or the stars. Up here, they're as big as anything. Well, don't get so excited about it, kid. I, I can hardly believe we're really on the China Clipper. Well, you'd better start believing it, Speed. With that jewel smuggler aboard. I'm just as sure he's a member of the Octopus Gang as I'm sure we're in the air. I think so, too, Clint. Else, why'd he try to keep us ashore by framing us with that cop? Yeah, our passports are what saved us. And see that you remember who those passports are made out for, Speed. Now, Barney here is supposed to be Jim Fletcher, a retired Texas oilman. And you're his son, Earl. And I'm your French tutor, Pierre Dorset. Don't forget all that when we're talking where people can overhear us, kid. Well, I won't, Barney. Clint, you look so different with your hair dyed black and curled. Barney with that fake squint and mustache. You think that smuggler really knew who your both were? Well, I don't know, Speed. Criminals are suspicious of everything and everyone. Now, he may have glimpsed something familiar about us, or, or his instinct may have warned him of danger. Rather than take any chances, he tried to keep us from flying on the same ship with him. Yeah, all that business about him being a private detective and us the crooks. I wanted to turn him over to the cop. Oh, and reveal who we really were. Oh, don't be a chump, Barney. We can't make an official move while we're traveling in disguise and under assumed names. I know, I know. Have to take everything and can't dish anything out in return. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Barney. We'll get our earnings when we reach Hong Kong. Meanwhile, think of all the excitement we're going to have during the trip. It doesn't seem possible that we'll reach the Hawaiian Islands tomorrow morning. Yeah, these ships are plenty fast. It's only 18 hours flying time between Alameda and Honolulu. And after that, our next stop is Midway Island. How long is the stop over at Honolulu? Uh, just about 24 hours. We take off again the next morning, uh, providing the weather is right. And am I going to make use of them 24 hours? No sleeping for me. I'm going to go swimming at Waikiki Beach, eat fish and poi, listen to ukuleles, and maybe watch some of those hula dances I've been hearing so much about. You can do that if you want, Barney. But I'm going to watch that jewel smuggler. And if I have any spare time, I'm going surfboard riding. Boy, I can hardly wait. Oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. Oh, this is the life, Clint. Lunch at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel, and now basking on the sands of Waikiki Beach. Yeah, but I wish I could be in that water with speed. Look, look at that kid right that surfboard in. Oh, he's part flying fish anyhow. You know, Clint, sometimes it makes me stop and think. That kid can do almost everything with just a little practice. Things that it takes me years to learn. <laughs> it just runs in the family, Barney. We're just naturally smart. Oh, yeah? If you're so smart, why didn't you fix this phony mustache of mine so it wouldn't float off in water? I want to go swimming. Try growing one, then you can. Besides, I didn't think you wanted to leave the beach as long as that uh, girl was on it. Oh, you've noticed her too, huh? Well, I noticed her during lunch at the hotel. She had a little girl with her then. She's still with her, at least near her. See, in the water, almost in a direct line with speed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I see her now. Well, I hope she doesn't go out too far. Looks like she can't swim. She's watching speed. Say, look at that big coma racing toward her. Suffering wangdoodles. She's lost her foot and she's going out to sea. Well, come on, let's go after her. Oh, speed, speed, Caesar. Oh, we can grab her. Speed, speed. 
Here, here, grab my hand. That's right. Now you're all right. Don't try to swim. Don't try to do anything. Just relax and I'll get you ashore. That big wave knocked me down. Now, now don't waste breath. Rockin'. Keep it up. Oh, swell. Then Barney are way not to help me. It brought us in. I'll take the little girl. You would have been so tough, but, but for the undertow, he kept pulling against us. Well, careful. Careful, get close to the young lady. Jean, Jean, honey, are you all right? I think so, but... Oh, sure, she's all right, miss. Just a little waterlogged, I reckon. She'll be good as new when she's dried out. Oh, how can I ever thank you all? And particularly this young man for saving us. Why, Jean would have been swept out to sea if he hadn't been so near her acted so quickly. Oh, Marcia, I thought I was going to drown. Oh, there, there, darling. You're safe now. And don't you think you'd better thank your rescuer? Yes. Thank you. What is your name? Spear. Um, uh, Earl Fletcher. May I introduce ourselves? Earl is the son of Mr. James Fletcher, and I am Monsieur Dorsey, the young gentleman's tutor. Oh, I don't need to tell you how happy we are to meet you all. This is Jean Kingsley, and I'm Marsha Winfield, her governess. Oh, Howdy. Will you and little Jean have supper with us tonight, Miss Winfield? Why, I, yes. Probably Miss Winfield will be dining with Mademoiselle Jean's parents, Mr. Fletcher. Oh, no. You see, Jean's father is in China in the diplomatic service. Oh, then it's a cinch you won't be eating with him this evening. So you will eat with us, huh? Well, yes, Mr. Fletcher, we'd love to. And now I'd better take Jean back to the hotel to recover from the effects of her narrow escape. Thank you again. Goodbye, Speed, Clinton, Barney. Huh? Hey, those aren't our names. Why, no, Jean. Wherever did you hear those names? Oh, that's what they called one another when I was being saved, Marsha. How come you heard anything when you were half drowned? Oh, I don't remember calling anybody anything. I was too busy trying to get in. Well, probably the child heard us urging Earl to exercise more speed in effecting the rescues. Under such circumstances, it is only natural that such confusion should occur. Oh, no, Mr. Dorsey. I heard you plain as anything. Jean. You mustn't contradict. And now come along. We'll see our friends later. Yeah, goodbye. 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 Wouldn't you know what girl here thinks she shouldn't, even when she was drowning? Oh, out of the mouths of babes. The accident of a split second can upset weeks of careful planning. Nothing's upset. Miss Winfield didn't pay any attention to the kid. Oh, maybe not. That girl has brains as well as beauty, Bonnie. And you didn't help manners any, Romeo, by asking her to dine with us tonight. Say, the more we stay to ourselves, the less chance of a split-up. Ah, oh, a little supper won't hurt anything. <laughs> we can tell more about that after supper. Care for some more ice cream, Mademoiselle Jean? No, thank you, Mr. Dorsey. I'd like some more. More? You had two dishes already. Another one, and you'd never leave this table. <laughs> well, you wouldn't mind staying in Honolulu, would you, Earl? Well, it's swell here, Miss Winfield, but but I'm looking forward to the rest of our clipper trip. Midway, Wake, and Guam Islands, Manila, and then Hong Kong. Gee. Hong Kong. Yes, I'm anxious to reach China, too. You going over soon? Tomorrow morning. We'll be fellow passengers on the clipper ship, Mr. Fletcher. Oh, you, you and little Jean are flying to China, Mademoiselle? Yes. I took the position as governess to Jean with that understanding. You see, her father went there six months ago and left Jean in my charge with instructions to bring her over as soon as he gave me the word to come. 
Well, I received that word just the other day, and I was fortunate in being able to get passages on the clip. Oh, that's swell, but... Uh, the, the check, Mr. Fletcher. Uh-huh. Uh, check? Oh, yeah, the dinner check. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see what the damages are. What's that note under it? A, a note? Yeah. It isn't addressed to anyone. Here, I'll open it. What did it say, Earl? It says, to all at this table, better not attempt the impossible. Leave well enough alone and do not take the clipper tomorrow morning. The octopus gives but one warning. The octopus? Do you know what this means, Mademoiselle? Yes. Yes, that note is meant for me. The octopus is a terrible criminal who has brought tragedy into my life. I... Go on, Miss Winville. I can't. I dare not. He knew I was here. Here, his spies may be listening to me right now. But he's the reason I must go to China. Can we help you, Miss Winfield? I don't know. But I trust you and Mr. Dorsey and Mr. Fletcher. I feel that you're perhaps the only people in the whole world I can trust. Will you? For Jean's sake, will you give us your protection until we reach Hong Kong? But Miss Winfield, I... Oh, after we reach China and Jean is safe with her father, I won't bother you anymore. What I must do then, I must do alone. But until then, will you promise us your protection? You have my doctor's spy, whoever he is. I'm not afraid of anybody. International Secret Police. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. Ceiling zero. Last episode, you remember, Speed, Clint, and Barney arrived at Honolulu under assumed names and disguises. That same day, Speed rescued little Gene Kingsley from drowning at Waikiki Beach. And through his heroism, the boys became acquainted with Marsha Winfield, her governess. The little girl heard the boys call one another by their true names during the excitement of her rescue and speaks of this at dinner that evening. They deny it, of course, since utmost secrecy must surround their real reason for making the clipper trip. The capture of the criminal, the octopus. Clint figures that they will leave the islands in the morning, however, and thus escape the danger of being identified as members of the international secret police. But a note is brought to the table where they are dining with Miss Winfield and Jean. It is signed by the octopus and warns them to turn back before it is too late. Marcia takes this as a personal warning, saying that the criminal has brought tragedy into her life and that she is taking Jean to her father in China in the morning on the clipper ship. She begs their protection for the duration of the trip, and the boys promise it, though it may complicate matters even more. 
Just now, we find Jean and Speed on the veranda of the Royal Hawaiian Hotel that same evening. <sighs> the water looks like diamonds sparkling in the moonlight, doesn't it? Earl, I'm talking to you. Uh, what? I bet your name is really Speed and not Earl at all. That's well, why don't you answer me when I call you Earl? Didn't answer because I was thinking about something else. And I wish you'd give over that silly idea about my name being Speed. It's Earl. Earl Fletcher. All right. But I like Speed better than I do Earl. You do, huh? But Earl's still my name. Uh-huh. And the water still looks like diamonds sparkling in the moonlight, doesn't it? No. Just looks like a lot of water to me. Speaking of diamonds, is that diamond head rock over there? Yes. Why, you haven't got your glasses on now. And still you can see as good as anything. Why do you wear glasses if you don't need them? Uh, but I can't see. I mean, uh, I, I do need them. I could just make out a big black mass against the skyline over there. Well, that's why I had to ask you if it was Diamond Head. You're always explaining things. It's very mysterious. There's nothing mysterious about it. You just have to have things explained to you. Nothing but mysterious things. But I like mysteries. That's why I like you and Mr. Dorsey. I think he's wonderful. Say, Claire, uh, Monsieur Dorsey is wonderful. He's sure been a pal to me. Taught me everything I know. Of course. He's your tutor, isn't he? Well, uh, uh, uh sure. You see, it's... Oh, uh, here uh, they are. Enjoying the beautiful tropical night? Oh, Monsieur Dorsey. Boy, am I glad to see you. Oh, Earl, that is not very flattering to your little companion. Oh, she's all right. But she has so many questions. <laughs> and he has such a hard time answering them. <laughs> I can readily understand that. Jean can ask more difficult questions than anyone I know. They weren't either difficult, Marsha. Just why Earl wears glasses when he doesn't have to. And why he doesn't answer when I call him Earl. And why... <coughs> oh, Mr. Fletcher. <coughs> what's the matter? Here, Pop. Here, Pop, I'll pat you on the back. <coughs> Get away. Your pets are worse than my strangling. Are you all right now, Mr. Fletcher? Ooh, uh, not quite, honey. The only thing that can cure one of my coughing spells is a long walk. <laughs> oh, uh, come on, boys. I, I think we'd better take that walk right now. Good night. Good night. <laughs> oh, we'll see you in the morning. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Uh, come along, Earl. Phew. That coffin spell of yours sure got us out of a tight pinch, Barney. Sure was lucky you swallowed wrong. Swallowed wrong? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was using my brains, kid. Brains that Clint thinks I haven't got. Oh, quit boasting. Let's head for the telegraph office. I must send a cable to the chief. About the jewel smuggler being aboard the plane? Yeah, this is the first time that we're completely unobserved. Now's our chance to really get down to business. Are you going to wire Chief Riley direct, Clint? Uh, not exactly, Speed. His name, address, and of course the message will all be in code. Yeah, I know the business. Instead of cabling Chief Riley, International Secret Police, International Building, New York, we send it to Fifi's Hat Box, Fifth Avenue. Fifi's Hat Box? Uh, yes, we, we're using a millinery store as a front. Something to tie in with my French disguise. You see, Fifi is supposedly my sweetheart, to whom I send letters and cables telling of my undying devotion. But really, you're talking about smugglers and adventures. Hot dog! <laughs> and so Chief Riley's Fifi. <laughs> 
Can't you just picture the chief making a hat? <laughs> okay, here, here, quiet, quiet. Uh-huh. Even though the street is practically deserted, you don't have to shout everything, you know. Oh, we're safe enough. By the way, you're going to tell the chief about Miss Winfield and Jean over here and us call one another by our right names? No, after all, they may have completely believed our explanation. Miss Winfield, maybe, but not that Jean. She's got a memory like an elephant. Well, at least they won't be able to give us away until we reach Hong Kong, if we're going to protect them from the octopus on the rest of the trip. Uh, don't kid yourself, buddy. From the way this trip has begun, anything can happen. But right now, let's get this cable off to the chief. Huh? Speaking of our secret code, Clint... Have you got the key to the code written out so I can memorize it like the chief told me? Uh, yes, I have, Speed. And the chief was more than right when he told you to memorize the key so that you can decipher any of our messages to and from him without referring to the paper. I'll say so. There'll be many a time when you won't have a chance to look up the messages from the code key. I know. I would have memorized the key long before we left Alameda if I'd known I was going to really be one of the secret police. I didn't even know you had a code. It never told me about it. <laughs> well, after all, uh, I am in the secret police speed. The pride of the service. <laughs> now, don't start heckling, Barney, or I'll never find out about the code key. Where have you got it hidden, Clint? Well, it's in my belt buckle, Speed. Belt buckle? Yes, it has a false back, which can only be moved by pressing a tiny spring. It's such a complicated thing that it makes a very safe hiding place. Why, the cleverest man would never dream that was anything more than an ordinary belt buckle. Gee, no. I've seen it hundreds of times and never guessed it held anything more than your belt. Well, I'll show you how it works later on. Now, we'd better get to that code message off to the chief. And after that? Then we'll go back to the hotel and get some sleep. I don't know how you all feel, but I need plenty of shut-eye. <laughs> Me too. I will sleep if Barney doesn't keep us awake with his snoring. Me snore? What's the idea always blaming me for such things? I never snored in my life. Snored it. I ought to know. Sure snore. Wonder if that's what woke me up. Can't be, because he's been doing that ever since he went to sleep. I can't sleep, so I think I'll go out and see what I can see from the balcony. If I can get out of bed without waking up Clint. Golly, this bed's creaking's almost as loud as Barney's snoring. Uh, Gee, this Hawaiian moonlight's sure pretty. What was that? Sounds like it came from below the balcony. Something's crawling up the vines, trying to get up on our balcony. Clint, Clint, wake up. Huh? What's that? What's wrong, Speed? Somebody's crawling up to our balcony. Whoever it is, I'll have to fall over Barney to get in here. He would drag his bed in front of the French door so he could get enough air. Good thing. His snoring will cover whatever noise we make. Yeah. You slip out of bed on your side, Speed, and I'll do the same. Make as little noise as possible. Yeah. in the shadows until you get to the French door, Speed. We'll wait for him on either side. Oh, he's kind of in the way. He'll get more air if that guy comes through. Listen. Speed. There's his shadow falling over Barney. He'll be in full view in a minute. I see it. 
You'll be inside before we can reach the French doors, Clint. Uh, maybe, but we still have the odds on our side. He's in light and we're in shadow. He won't be able to see us until he's clear out of the moonlight. Look, there he is. Yeah, keep down speed. And one thing more. If he has a gun, stay out of it and tire. Drop to the floor and leave him to me. Oh, Clint. Orders? Y- yes, sir. She. Oh, oh, Barney doesn't pick this time to wake up. Our visitor hopes so, too. Oh, look. He's frozen in his tracks. What's Barney saying? He's talking in his sleep. Look, the man on the balcony's coming closer. He wants to hear what he's saying, too. Wait, the man's pulled a gun. Now, listen, you stay out of the speed. I'm going to crawl along the floor so I'll be near Barney if this fellow tries any rough stuff. I'm coming, too. You are not. I've got to, Clint. Barney needs help. All right, then, come on, but stay close to the floor. Oh, Marcia, you've got beautiful eyes. Oh, well, I gotta be true to Fifi. Fifi, watch out. Fifi. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey, what? what? Who, who, who are you? Help! Help, police! Keep down! Hey, he's got a gun! Come on, get up! I got him by the leg, Monsieur Dorsey! Help! Get off my neck! Help, police! Hey, look out! Look out, the gun! Clint! Where are you? Get him! Grab him! Speed! Speed, get out of the way! Get out, I say! I got him! Sir, I got him! Grab him, Barney! Get on the lights! Barney, get on the lights! Look out, he broke loose! I can't find him! I can't find the lights! Hey, look out! The gun, the gun! Oh. You hear the light? I got him. Gee, Clint, it's a Jewish smuggler on the plane. send a cablegram in code to Chief Riley of the International Secret Police stating that a jewel smuggler was also aboard the clipper bound for Hong Kong. But they did not mention that Marsha Winfield, governess to little Jean Kingsley, is also going to China and has asked their protection during the flight, hinting that she too is seeking the mysterious criminal, the octopus. That same night, they surprise an intruder in their bedroom and after a terrific struggle, overcome the man and discover him to be the jewel smuggler who was aboard the China clipper, After turning the man over to the local police, we find the boys talking in their room just as dawn is breaking. What a night. 
I'm sleeping along just as peaceful. And all of a sudden, I wake up and see that guy's face almost touching mine. He was trying to hear what you were saying in your sleep, Barney. It's getting so a guy don't have any privacy at all anymore. People climbing up balconies and listening to every word you say. Yeah, we're darn lucky to get out of that as well as we did. What were you stirring up such a rumpus? What'd you expect me to do? Give that thug a sweet smile? Well, you gave him plenty of noise. And on top of that, you couldn't find the lights. Of course I couldn't. Somebody's foot was in my eye. <laughs> it sure was a mess. Half the time, I didn't know which was Barney and which was the jewel smuggler. Oh, so you're the guy that kept hitting me in the dark. No, Barney, honest. Well, if you ask me, we were lucky to get out of it as easy as we did. That smuggler waving his gun around like that. Hey, one of us might have been seriously hurt. I'll say. The darkness made it hard for us to see him. But I was lucky at that. Because he certainly couldn't see us good enough to aim a gun at us. You know, it's a funny thing. No matter what happens, I always get the worst of it. Must be fate, I guess. But if you don't keep your head better when any emergency arises like that, you won't have any fate. What's the matter with you, anyhow? You've had enough training in the past to be ready for anything. You're right there, old pal, old pal. Ready for anything. And believe me, I get everything. What did you expect me to do while that guy was jumping on my neck? Relax and enjoy sweet and beautiful dreams? No, but you might have feigned sleep a while longer. <laughs> that smuggler had a gun. You're telling me? That bullet parted my hair. Clint and me were just sneaking up on him when you woke up, Barney. Another minute and we would have had him. Well, you got him, all right. With me on the bottom of the pile. After this, I don't sleep in front of no more doors or windows. <laughs> well, that was your own idea, you know. You wanted air and wanted to see the moonlight. Yeah, and I saw stars, too. That fella had a punch like a pile driver. Why do you think he came to our room, Clint? Well, to get the key to our international secret police code. You mean our disguise is having fooled the octopus gang? They know who we really are? Yeah, I'm afraid so. By coming to our room, the smuggler proved to me that he was a member of the octopus band. And also that our disguises are useless. Then we can forget them? No, while they may know that we're the secret police, I'm sure they don't know how we really look. Uh, me, at least. You know, I've been careful of that in the past. And as long as they're not sure of my real appearance, I may be able to get through their lines yet. But, Clint, what about us? I want you to stay out of this whole mess, Speed. You're in it more now than I counted on. I'm sorry that I ever let Chief Riley talk me into bringing you along. Oh, my, Clint, I wouldn't miss this forever anything. Let the kids like me to fight crime in every way we can. I'm luckier than the rest because I'm getting a crack at the octopus. Uh, you've done more than your share so far, Speed. Capturing Blackie Spears in my room, discovering the jewel smuggler tonight. I'm proud of you. But now with the octopus aware of who we really are, I want you to just stay out of the picture. That's right, kid. You'll run into more danger since leaving Alameda than I've had in a year. But I'll say you know what to do in a pinch. So far, you've done all the head work of this outfit. Oh, no, Barney. I've just been lucky. But I sure wish I could do away with these glasses I have to wear for a disguise. Eh, you'll have to keep them a while longer, Speed. If there was no other reason for keeping our disguises, passport difficulties would be enough. If we assumed our real identities now, <laughs> we'd have to do a lot of explaining to the Clipper officials. That's so. The Clipper captain and the crew don't know about us being in the secret police. But the octopus does. Yeah, the octopus. I'd give a lot to know just how much information he does have. What does the octopus call us here for? 
anyone know? Does anyone know the master's desires until he has spoken, Splintaz? No, but he seems to know what everyone else is thinking, though. <sighs> Gives me the creeps coming to this room. Nothing in it but that microphone for him to hear us and that loudspeaker for him to talk through. Your feelings are unimportant in the matter. This meeting is important. It is the first time the Hong Kong branch of the band has been gathered together since we first started operation here. Oh, yeah? Talk some more, Kwan Wu. I ain't been with you long, so anything you tell me is news. The band of the octopus does not waste words. The master is successful because he acts. Well, why don't he show himself? This mystery business is okay for the yokels, but I'd like to know who I'm working for and what I'm heading for. You are heading for disaster if you keep up this foolish talk, Splinters. The master pays you well for the work you do. Yeah, but you've seen his face. Why can't I? I'm one of the best aviators in the sky. I can do everything with a plane but make it cook. And still I can't see who I'm working for. It is best not to, Splinters. I have seen the master's face because I am the only one he can trust. I have always been with him. Well, I'm sick of the whole business. I've been sitting around in this private underground hangar till I've forgotten what the sky looks like. I won't do it no longer. I want action. The master is... You call yourself splinters? Huh? Yeah? Uh... Octopus? I have heard your complaint. Do you wish to leave my service? No. No, no, not that. When they leave you, they, they leave the world, life, everything. They never heard of again. I was talking foolish, Octopus. I'll keep my mouth shut after this, I promise. Your promises are less than nothing to me. Kwan Mu hired you because you are a good aviator. Yeah, the best I can do. I, I know your record in here. And also on the ground, Splinters. You are one of the lowest type of criminal. A renegade aviator. A man who will fly for anyone who can pay him. Regardless of the purpose. A man without conscience. Without heart. As unfeeling as the ship he flies. I... But I, uh... I need such a man for my work. But such a man must not complain. For then he will be punished. I have certain underground dungeons for such punishment. No, no. No, not, not torture. I ain't done anything against you, Octopus. I work for you hard. Don't torture me. I will give you a chance to prove your worthiness of remaining in the band of the octopus. What? How? Anything. One move. Yes, Master. I have just been talking to the Honolulu office over my short wave set. Operator 41 was arrested two hours ago on a charge of burglary. Burglary? Then... Yes. Only Speed Gibson, Clint Barlow, and Barney Dunlap could be responsible, since their room was the only one he was going to search. Operator 41 must have been clumsy. The boy, Speed Gibson, was the real cause of his capture. A kid? For your information, Splinters, this boy is Clint Barlow's nephew. Barlow is not only the cleverest and most intelligent man in the International Secret Police, but he's raising this orphaned boy as his own and has taught him the rules of the secret police. Trained him to follow in his footsteps, should he so desire. And it is Barlow's heart that I will attack through his nephew. Since Barlow is our worst enemy, master. The only one I acknowledge, Kwanmu. The only one who might end my career. 
but he made his one mistake when he brought the boy on this trip. For what reason did the boy come? Chief Riley thought that such a move would remove suspicion. All three of these guys, traveling under assumed names. For the time being, I shall allow them their masquerade. May I humbly ask why then you caused the warning note to be presented to them under the dinner check, master? More to frighten the windmill girl. Women are troublesome. I wanted her to stay away from China. Was she frightened? Yes, but the little fool has the courage of ignorance. She's coming to China under the protection of our enemies. Does she know who they are? Not yet. That note also worried Barlow, not because of his own safety, but that of his nephew. Speed Gibson is the vulnerable point in Clint Barlow's armor. What is your plan? First of all, nothing must interfere with our business of smuggling. The men I have assigned to take care of that will not concern themselves with this warfare against our enemies. Kwanu, you are friendly with Dr. Kingsley, the little girl's father. Very, Master. I see him almost every day at the council office. He thinks very highly of me. Good. The more you are in his confidence, the more you will learn about Marsha Winfield. I want you to work on that alone. You know the background there, Kwanu. Yes, Master. It will be a pleasure. Now for the International Secret Police. It is Monsieur Pierre Dorsey and Jim at Earl Fletch. I am not attempting to interfere with their activities so long as they are aboard the clipper ship. That would be foolhardy. It is the stopovers that concern me. Those are the places where I can reach them. But Master Operator 41 is no longer flying with them. I know, but there are other ways. They leave Honolulu very short. They will reach Midway Island in about eight hours. They will leave Midway the following morning. Fly over the international date line and reach Wake Island Sunday afternoon. Splinters. Yeah, yes, sir. I want you to take my special bullet monoplane and fly to Wake Island. You will leave immediately and await the clipper plane from Midway. Do I go alone? Yes, but you will have a passenger when you return, at least... You'd better have a passenger. I, uh, I will. Who will it be? Speed Gibson. second i just want to let you know i'm not talking today because i'm fighting a cold like a really bad cold and i don't really want to speak you know into the mics too much and maybe get somebody else a cold uh also lost my fucking phone um sat friday and i've just been sort of bummed out and what i'm doing is because i'm a dick is i'm listening to my favorite show while y'all's listening to this <laughs> and the only other thing I wanted to say was, um, let's get this out. Indiana Jones is a really weird movie, like in a lot of ways, because if you think about it for half a second, first off, it doesn't seem like he can't like 
there's magic in the movie, which is weird, which means magic exists in that world, right? The Ark. Just speaking strictly, fuck it. Talk about all of them, but like Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? It's some dude, like an archaeological professor. It's like it's like this fever dream that he has or something. He gets hit on by his students. He like gets into these adventures and shit. This dude's a fucking archaeology professor or whatever the fuck. It doesn't make any sense. None of it. He's running down from big ass boulders and like perfectly round boulders. And like, it's just so, he's named after the dog. Like, it just all sounds like a, just a fever dream some dude had one day that was just like, and you know what? And then I found the ark. And then, it's like, it's the ravings of a madman. Anyway, that was the one thing. I was thinking about fucking Indiana Jones last night because I have no sound in my house. And boy, oh boy, you talk about, like, remembering, like, this is how you fuck, the rubber meets the road, like, if you're fucking sane or not. To sit up in that fucking place with no real sound, really, except for, like, my record player. Like, that's it, bro. And, like, I'm always listening to something, so it's so fucked up. I got three dead phones that are just bumming me out. I got SD cards with information that can't get played. It's just like, ugh, fuck off. And I'm getting this dumb cold. It's like, ugh. Like, so, like, I'm total radio silence until, because it's the 22nd. So what's it, 31 days in July, motherfucker? <laughs> we got a while, man. But whatever. It just sort of is what it is. The shitty part is like in the middle of the night, because I'm an idiot who likes to listen to the television or any sort of sound, the radio. I don't even have a fucking radio. It's crazy. I have a radio, but it doesn't work. You know, it's like, fuck off. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I can get somebody to borrow me a radio or some shit. But uh, whatever. That's that's I just wanted to bring up because it's like, what the fuck? Is there a show here? I would read the news. I don't want to because my throat's killing me. And it's like it's shitty. It's the old fashioned when I used to get bronchitis as a kid, like just shitty cold. Like it like that's why I really don't want to clam up these mics. So fuck it. Let's get back to the show. All day. At least that's the way it seemed to me. I'll bet you were red as a boy of lobster when they pulled you out. <laughs> and that's funny, huh? <laughs> I wonder if they'll have a celebration up here crossing the date line in the air, as they do on shipboard crossing the equator. Nah. And if they do, they can count me out. For once, I'm gonna be the watching audience. Watch it. Here comes one of the stewards. Hmm? <laughs> oh, as I was saying, Monsieur Fletcher, the clipper route is fascinating. You will remember that soon after we left Honolulu, we passed over the very sands that Sir Charles Kingsford Smith used as a landing field for his Southern Cross plane when he blazed the first sky route from San Francisco to Sydney, Australia. Uh, thanks pardon, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Fletcher? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, Stuart? Uh, the captain's compliments, sir, and he asks if you will not impersonate Father Time for the usual ceremonies when we pass over the time demarcation line. You mean to say that you have ceremonies up here in the air for that? Oh, yes, sir. Everything but the immersion, of course. <laughs> you are going to be in the watching audience. <laughs> yeah, that's right, lad. I should have stayed at Midway Island and enjoyed the fishing. Father time. <laughs>
calling shortwave station OC-127. OC-34, calling OC-127. Come in, please. Gotta come in quick enough. I don't think that octopus ever leaves his set. He talks to me more by radio than when I'm with him in Hong Kong. Uh-oh. Here he comes. OC-127 to OC-34. OC-127 to OC-34. Stand by for two-way conversation. OC-34 already for two-way. Linders? Yes, sir. I just sighted Wake Island. We'll land there shortly. Can't see nothing of the China Clipper yet. Wait at Wake Island. Clipper will probably lay over since airway weather report warns of typhoon in Formosan waters heading for Wake Island. Typhoon? Well, that'll drown him, all right. That's a piece of weather that even I won't buck. You might, Splinters. What do you mean? The plane will naturally arouse curiosity. You have the story you are to tell the aviation officials. That you are trying to establish a new speed record between Guam and Wake Island for your own satisfaction. I got all that straight, but what about flying in a typhoon? Once you get speed, Gibson, you will have to take off, no matter what kind of flying weather you have. But, Octopus, you might as well tell me to send my bullet plane in a nosedive into the ocean right now. Typhoon flying is just another name for suicide. Are you going to obey my orders? You know what awaits you here if you fail? Don't think that you can escape me by going elsewhere. Remember, the tentacles of the octopus. I can reach you anywhere. Oh, I know. I thought you wanted Speed Gibson alive. I want to strike at Clint Barlow. Losing his nephew will remove Barlow from the chase. What happens to the boy is of little interest to me. But my life, sir, What are you going to do? I'll get Speed Gibson. We'll fly into the typhoon if we must. That is better. You have full instructions. You are to stay by the plane as much as possible. So you will be in constant communication with me. Yes, sir. I'm circling Wake Island now. Very well. Land and tell your story to the officials. And tell it well. Tell it so that they will believe it. Or you will have to answer to me. I thought we never would get out of that lounge performance. <laughs> Old father time himself, huh? You've still got some cotton whiskers hanging on your chin there. <laughs> I'll take them off, Barney. Thanks, kid. I was kind of nervous when the steward was putting them on me. Thought maybe he'd find out I had a phony mustache and a squint. Yes, uh, he was laughing too hard to examine your face, pal. You should have seen yourself when they put that paper crown on your head. Look more like a dunce cap. Yeah, well, let me tell you, not all dunces wear caps. Well, say, get off your high horse, cowboy. Here comes Jean. Now, remember who you are. Guess I'd better put these glasses on again, too. Hello, everybody. Mr. Fletcher, I want to tell you what a wonderful father time you made. I should have... You too, Jean. I thought you was my friend. I am. I wasn't laughing at you, but with you. You sure were having a good time initiating the passengers over the international date line. (laughs) I'll have to admit I got a kick out of it, all right. I'm sure glad to have one of these international date line certificates they give to everyone who flies over the line. Boy, listen to this. The main of Phoebus Apollo, ruler of the sun and heavens, know all peoples that Earl Fletcher, once earthbound and time-laden, is now declared a subject of the realm of the sun and of the heavens, 
with the freedom of our sacred eagle, that with the speed of our flaming chariot, this subject did fly the Pacific skies over the international date line, which mortals designed to mark off in the limit of days our eternal course through the skies. All right, all right. You didn't have to read your certificate to us. We all got one, and as far as I know, we can all read. Yeah, Pop, but I like the sound of those words. It makes you feel like, like somebody. I'm awfully proud of my certificate, too, Earl. And I like these pictures of the sun, moon, and stars around the edge, and the flaming chariot, and the clipper ship. I love this whole trip, especially the goony birds. Mr. Dorsey, do you think there'll be any goony birds on Wake Island like there was on Midway? Well, very probably, mademoiselle. They're so funny and awkward. I would have liked one for a pet. I have a heck of a time keeping a goony bird aboard the China Clipper. <laughs> I got a kick out of those goonies, but the birds that moaned and groaned gave me the heebie-jeebies. Wonder what they call them. Don't know, Bar. I mean, Pop. But the Clipper captain himself pointed out the turned frigate birds and giant albatross. Boy, they're colossal. They're col- colossal albatross. Hear that, Mr. Dorsey? You have to teach him better than that. Well, youth always exaggerates, Monsieur Fletcher. Well, they were big, and so were the fish. Hope I can get in some more fish in at Wake Island. I think we'll have to stay in the hotel at Wake. Well, what do you mean, Jean? Stuart just told Marcia that a typhoon was heading for Wake Island. We'd probably have to lay over until it passed. Typhoon layover? Well, then we'll be late getting to Hong Kong. Oh, not very late, Miss Fletcher. These typhoons are terrible, but very quick. Look, there's Wake Island ahead now. I don't see any signs of a storm anywhere. It's coming from Formosa, he said. The aviation weather reports give a clipper plenty of warning, Earl. They may have a half a day of clear flying weather ahead. But if there is any danger whatsoever of a bad storm crossing their path, they are ordered to remain grounded until all is clear once more. Well, as swell as this clipper plane is to ride in, I'll be glad to walk on land again. Sort of get air legs up here. Won't be long now. Oh, look at that pretty lagoon we're going to land in. And look, people are coming to the dock to meet us. You can certainly see good, Earl. Let me look through those glasses. Uh, uh no, they're, they're too strong for your eyes. Oh, everybody always gets excited when we come to a place, especially when it's in the middle of the ocean. Any sign of the typhoon yet? No, monsieur. But I see something else, Barney. Danger? I don't know, but I got a hunch. Look at that plane down there. Boy, a two-seater and built for terrific speed. No familiar identification marks. Barney, that plane looks more dangerous to me than a dozen typhoons. You think the octopus? We'll know soon enough. But watch yourself after we land. Anything can happen way out here in mid-Pacific and be called an accident. of the International Secret Police. 
Barlow, his nephew, Speed Gibson, and Barney Dunlap, all of the International Secret Police, are flying to Hong Kong and the China Clipper with orders from headquarters to capture the criminal, the Octopus, whose powerful crime organization, like the tentacles of a giant octopus, embraces the whole world. At the moment, our three friends in disguise are halfway to their goal, having just landed at Wake Island. They have already had trouble with spies of their enemy, but do not know that the octopus has sent a renegade aviator, Splinters, in a fast bullet plane to Wake Island to kidnap Speed Gibson so that Clint will be detracted from his purpose. Meanwhile, a weather report has warned that a typhoon is heading out of Formosan waters. The Clipper passengers have been asked to remain indoors. We find Speed, Clint, and Barney restlessly pacing back and forth in their room at the Clipper Inn. Gee, I always we didn't have to stay inside. I'd sure like to see that special two-seater plane close. Wonder who it belongs to. Yeah, I wonder too, Speed. I don't like the looks of her. What do you mean, Clint? Now, it's very unusual for any sort of plane to land at Wake Island excepting the clipper ships. It's too far out. Uh, that little plane must have terrific power. I wonder why. Maybe some guy's trying to break another record or, of some mm, sort. Maybe. I don't like the looks of it right at this time, especially on top of everything else that's happened. You mean the jewel smuggler that tried to break into our room on Honolulu, and also that note from the octopus that warned everyone at the table to lay off? Yeah, I'm uneasy whenever we're off the clipper ship. When we're on land, even in mid-ocean, the octopus has a chance to strike. I'd just like to see him start anything way out here. <laughs> well, well, what courage you have, Grandma. <laughs> You jumped a mile, Barney. Oh, me nerves are all shot. It's them goonie birds, I think, or those other feathered things that moaned. I wish we were in China. Well, don't worry. We soon will be. Remember your disguises now. Uh, who is there, please? Jean and Marshall. Oh, just a second. I uh, hope we didn't disturb you. Just wanted to see if you had gone down to the lobby yet. No, but we will now if you'll guarantee us your company, Miss Winfield. Oh, try and get rid of us. When I asked for your protection until I could deliver Jean to her father in Hong Kong, I really meant it, Mr. Fletcher. And you've been so kind on the trip. I don't know how I can ever repay you. Why, it's a pleasure, ma'am. Down in Texas, there's nothing we like to do better than protect women and children. Uh, well, if you and Earl are ready to leave the room and go down to the lobby, Monsieur Fletcher, I will lock the door. Oh, sure thing, Mr. Dorsey. Come along, Earl. I'm coming, Pop. There we are. I do not believe anyone can get in the room without our permission. I hope not. Your experience in Honolulu was enough for one trip. I should say so. Mr. Fletcher, all of you... I don't know just how to say this, but ever since Earl rescued Jean from drowning at Waikiki, I've felt as if you three were our only friends. I've already told you that the octopus has had a sinister influence on my life. I told you that because I trusted you and felt that all three of you are not quite what or who you appear to be. Well, uh, I do not understand what Mademoiselle means. Oh, I'm not saying all this because of idle curiosity. I think you know that. Perhaps I'm trying to warn you... Oh, I don't know. It all sounds so silly when I try to put it into words. But that plane in the lagoon... The bullet plane? Yes. This afternoon, right after we arrived, Jean went down to the beach to look for some more shells. She found some right beside the plane. And while she was collecting them, the aviator came down, not seeing her since he entered the plane from the other side. And he put on his flying helmet. 
twisted some dials in front of him and talked into a little round thing, getting some sort of mixed up letters and numbers. Shortwave radio with earphones concealed in pockets in his flying helmet, just like the United States Navy uses for plane to ground communication. Mademoiselle Jean, now think, can you recall the letters and numbers he used? Mm, no, Mr. Dorsey. But whatever station he was calling was in Hong Kong. Hong Kong? Say, what about... Oh, wait. wait. Isn't that the aviator? There at the other end of the lobby? Yes, that's him. He's watching us. Doesn't look very mysterious to me. But maybe we are attaching too much importance to him. Our staring has probably attracted his attention. That's what I think. Look, there's the clipper captain over there. Let's go and ask him about this typhoon we've been hearing so much about and forget that flyer. Very well. Are you coming, Earl? I'd like to stay here and look at this case of shells, rocks, and stuff that have all been taken from this island, Mr. Dorsey. Me too. All right, but be sure and not go outside. Remember the typhoon warnings. Danger signals, Earl. I get it, Mr. Dorsey. Don't worry. And keep an eye on Jean, will you? You bet, Miss Marcia. One of that aviators really trying to establish a new speed record between Guam and Wake. What do you mean, Earl? Monsieur Dorsey and Pop were asking about him right after we landed. Of course, you know that anybody who lands here is questioned by the authorities to find out why they landed. Because this is one of the government naval bases, and they don't want anyone around who hasn't got a good reason to be here. I don't blame them. This fellow had good credentials, all right, but that doesn't mean anything. The criminal always makes sure he's protected that way when he's really up to something. Why, Earl, you talk just like a detective. Uh, uh, no, I don't, Jean. But I am kind of curious, because I think that guy's way out here for something more than just a speed wreck. I wouldn't be too curious, Earl. He looks like a villain to me. A villain? You wouldn't know one if you saw him. I would, too. And you better be careful of him. Say, listen... I've got enough people telling me what to do with Pop and Monsieur Dorsey without you adding your bit. All right. But let's look at these shells and things instead of that man. I think they're lots more interesting, don't you, Earl? Huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. You're not looking at them at all. I'm watching that aviator. He's coming over here. Do you think we'd better tell your father and Mr. Dorsey? No. They're busy now. And I'd like to talk to this guy. You go look at that map over there or something, will you, Jean? No, I want to hear what you're going to ask him. But, Jean... Is it another mystery? No, it isn't another mystery. Oh, hang around if you want. But let me do the talking. Sure. Hello, kids. Oh, uh, hello. Hello. Saw you two coming off the clever and was kind of interested in knowing how you liked the trip. Oh, it was swell. Like flying, huh? Yeah, I I do some of it myself. You do? How old are you, kid? Fifteen. And I'm twelve. Imagine that. Kids your age flying over thousands of miles of water. And what'll you be doing when you get as old as me? What are you doing? Why, oh, I'm trying to establish a new speed record between Guam and Wake Island. Bet you could. We saw your plane during our landing. Looks plenty fast. Would you like to see it close? Oh, we couldn't do that. There's a typhoon heading this way. Oh, we have time before that strikes. You can help me check a mooring. You'd better stay here, little girl. But your friend here and me will go to see to it and be back as quick as a wink. That's a good idea. You wait here, Jean. But Earl, remember what Mr. Dorsey... I know, I know. If they should notice I'm gone, don't say where. I'll tell them all about it when I get back. But supposing you don't get back? What's going to stop me? Come along, young fellow. If you want to take a look before the typhoon strikes, come on. Earl, don't go. Please don't go, please. (laughs) 
So, you see, Mr. Fletcher, according to our calculations, Wake Island will not feel the full force of the typhoon. It will pass southwest of us. But for safety's sake, I want all my passengers to remain here in the hotel. Good, that's fine. When do we eat, Captain? <coughs> Will the clipper be delayed in the takeoff for Guam, uh, Monsieur Le Capitaine? Oh, I don't think so, Mr. Dorsey. We're in constant communication with Guam, and they say that the typhoon will be surely safely passed by the time we're ready to leave Wake. Well, I guess I'd better be getting back to Jean. She's still over there by that case of rocks and shells. But I don't see your son around anywhere, Mr. Fletcher. Oh, he can't be far off. Let's mosey on over there. Uh, thanks a lot for the information, Captain. Uh, yes, indeed. You're entirely welcome. Uh, Monsieur Fletcher, the aviator is also missing. Uh, what? I certainly hope that we will find Earl somewhere about. Oh, Jean will know where he is. Jean, honey! Oh, Marcia, I'm so glad you've come. I'm getting sort of worried. Worried? Why? Earl went outside with that aviator that you were talking about. Outside? Why? What did he tell you? Why, Mr. Dorsey, you're not French anymore. Never mind that, Jean. Why did he go after we told him not to? The aviator wanted to show him the plane. That he could help him move it better, too. Oh, well, what's wrong? Come on, let's get out there. Yeah, we're not too late. Oh, I don't understand, but if Earl's in trouble, shouldn't we ask for help? No, we can't, not yet. Quick, let's get out the door before anyone tries to stop us. Miss Winfield, you wait here with Jean. Hold everything. I'm going to open the door. Oh, if I could only do something to help you. I told Earl not to go. <laughs> Watch yourself, honey. Everything that isn't fastened down is, is apt to go up in the air. Help me shut this door. Uh, uh, can you... Can you see anything of speed? No, I can't even see the plane in this wind. Well, come on. we got to get out the wall. Here, link arms with me. We'll have to fight this wind every inch if we expect to get down there. Lean against her. Speed! Speed! That saved your breath. He couldn't hear us in this wind. Clint, look! That column of water racing toward us. The typhoon whirlwind. Down in your stomach, Barney. Down flat. It's our only chance. Jesus, interrupt one more time, because this is sort of neat. Um, the San Francisco Comic Con is going. Or San Francisco, Jesus, the San Diego Comic Con is going on right now, and um, it's the Sunday of it, so it's the last day and everything. But um, I thought this was a neat piece of news because I I like shit like this. Uh, the CW Supergirl has cast uh, transgender activist Nicole Maines as um, television's first trans superhero in a role uh, that appears to introduce another member of DC's Legends of Superheroes to the drama. 
Legion is superheroes is really cool, by the way. Uh, so the Sussman yesterday night, as introduced this evening during Warner Brothers. Uh, this is from uh, CBR Television's uh, Hall H presentation at Comic Con International, Maine's. Uh, she's from the Trans List and Royal Pains. Will play Nia now. A new addition to the Catco uh, reporting team, described as a soulful young transgender woman with a fierce drive to protect others. Her season four story arc will see her fulfill her destiny as Dreamer. It's pretty fucking cool, man. Longtime comics readers will undoubtedly recognize the similarity between the names Nia Nal and Nura Nal, the fan favorite DC character better known as Dream Girl from The Legend of Superheroes, which is awesome. Uh, she was briefly known as, yes, Dreamer in the 1990s. Introduced in 1964 in Adventure Comics 317, Dream Girl comes from the planet Naltor, where most of the inhabitants uh, possess precognitive abilities in which they experience visions for the, of the future through dreams, which is weird because I actually have that. Um, Mains, now 21. <laughs> That's crazy. Look how young. Anyway, uh, was the... Uh, Pseudo, uh, pseudonymous plaintiff, and I don't know what that means. Whatever. Doe versus Clancy, the landmark 2013 case in which the main Supreme Judicial Court ruled it's unlawful for schools to deny transgender students access to the restroom consistent with their gender. She appeared in the HBO documentary The Trans List and guest starred as a transgender teen on the USA uh, Network series Royal Pains. There's no indication yet whether uh, Maine's character on Supergirl will be depicted as a member of the show's Legion, which so far has included mon L, who's awesome, Brainiac 5, which is the shit, and Saturn Girl, which is fun too. Among its ranks, <clears throat> Chameleon was also mentioned. Maine's uh, is joined in Season 4 by fellow newcomers April Parker Jones uh, from Jericho and The Last Ship as Colonel ha Haley and David Ajaya, or Ajala, maybe... Doctor Who, The Dark Knight, as Manchester Black, uh, Jesse Rath, in, introduced in Season 3 as Brainiac 5, and Sam uh, Witter? Whit, Whit, Whitwer? Probably, Whitwer, who will play um, Agent Liberty, were previous, previously announced as series regulars for Season 4. Uh, DC's Legend of Superheroes introduced a trans character in 1992 when it was revealed that Element Lad's longtime romantic interest, the science, the team science police liaison, ooh, uh, Siobhan Aaron, I think, uh, was born male but had taken a futuristic drug called Profem to change genders. <clears throat> and I don't need to tell you what everybody's fucking name is, but it does star uh, Melissa Ben. Oh, Jesus. Ben Osset? Ben Osset? Mm. Kara Danvers. David Harewood is Martin Ma Martian Manhunter. Fuck yeah. Makad Brooks is Jimmy Olsen. And, uh, uh, Jesus. Chyler Lee is Alex Danver. He returns on New Night, Sunday, October 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific on the CW. So, yeah. Anyway, thought that was neat. You know, that's fucking cool, man. I like just seeing people, like, especially something like that. I really like the idea to, like, have, like, a superhero in that vein. You know, like, to, you know, just to be a kid and grow up and see shit. Like, I, I remember 
growing up and the idea of a black president was just a joke like it's always been a punchline oh yeah right you're gonna have a, a cookouts in the back right all this whole horse shit and like he's not my favorite person but just the visual is a powerful statement and um you know whatever shit didn't get any better but whatever 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 <sighs> sorry pretty bummer to fully investigate the job i believe that short wave set may be one of the things that'll unlock the secret of the octopus i sure hope so hey look this plane's got a radio telegraph as well as a short wave phone this guy's equipped for everything mm, a radio telegraph huh mm. that means he's been picking up all the clipper calls too Knowing their frequencies, he could listen to all their movements. But that's how he knew when we were to arrive at Wake Island. And whether we were going to lay over or not because of the typhoon. Do you think so, Clint? Mm, it's a guess, but I think it's pretty good. You know, the weather reports to the clipper ships not only come from all the stopovers, but from ships at sea to the south and north. And then from other clipper planes, too. See, this man should have notes on these weather reports and perhaps other data that might lead us to the octopus. Gee, let's search him here. Oh, and have the wind blow all the papers around in case there are any? No, be silly. Well, then let's go back to the inn as soon as possible and give this guy the works. That is, if we can bring him around after that clip speed gave him. He's coming around already, Clint. Yeah, so I see. Well, that's good. Now we won't have to carry him back to the inn. Good is right. I'm getting more of a workout on this job than I ever got on anything else. It's worth it, though, Barney. Anything's worth it that'll lead us to the octopus. Master, you sent for me? Yes, Quan Wu. I have just received word from Wake Island. From the aviator Splinters? No, from our other operator there. Splinters has been arrested. Arrested? By whom? Need you ask? Clint Barlow. Splinters, the clumsy fool, forgot that Speed Gibson has been trained by his uncle for the secret police. He attempted to kidnap him by the crudest of methods. Result? Speed knocked him out. But it is an outrage. Such things cannot happen to the members of the octopus band. Such things have happened and are happening. But they will happen no more. Ever since our persistent police left their headquarters in New York, I have attempted to turn them from their purpose, warn them by subtle methods. I will no longer attempt this. From now on, I will strike at them directly if I must meet them face to face. You would not do that, Master. No one has ever seen your face except me. Correction, Kwan Wu. No one but you has ever seen my face and known me to be the octopus. True. But this Clint Barlow is clever. Your paths have crossed before. Perhaps he would recognize you. Perhaps his uncanny intuition would warn him of your identity. Of danger. <laughs> I am not afraid of Barlow Kwan Wu. I respect his parents. But I do not fear them. Yes, Master. And what is your next move to be? Splinters, the aviator, is new in our organization. I do not believe that he has learned the value of silence. You think he will talk? Yes. He and my bullet plane must be uh, removed before they tell any of my secrets to Barlow and to Speed Gibson. And how is this to be accomplished? That is up to my operator on Wake Island. I shall give the order to go ahead now over the shortwave radio. For very probably Barlow is questioning Splinters at this very minute. 
Uh, sit over here, Speed. I want you to be in on this questioning. Okay, Clint. Where's Barney? He's guarding the plane. Has one of the company men with him. You expect the octopus has more spies on Wake Island than this one here? I don't know, but I'm not taking any chances. Now then, let's see what our prisoner has to say. What's your name? Splinters. Splinters, huh? It's rather a new alias, isn't it? I come when I hear it. That's all a name's good for anyhow. Well, I don't blame you for wanting to forget your other name, Ted Bailey. Well, how did you know? How are you talking about? I remember a notice I once saw in the United States Naval Office. You were wanted for desertion. Navy. And that's how he came to use that special flying helmet with earphone pockets. The United States Navy helmet. Yes, Speed. Bailey deserted and took one of the planes with him. They found the plane later, cracked up, but the missing pilot was never located. Until now. All right, all right. Suppose I am Bailey. What are you going to do with me? Send you back to America to face desertion charges and also attempted kidnapping. You can't prove that kidnapping business. Speed's testimony will prove plenty, Splinters. But let me remind you that nothing, nothing that awaits you in America will compare to the fate you'd suffer if the octopus can ever lay hands on you again. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I don't know nothing about this octopus. You know plenty, Splinters. And I want you to talk. Because the crime you may have done in the past won't compare with the crime you will commit by not giving evidence against the octopus. He's not only an enemy of the United States, but an enemy of the whole world. I have an idea that you've seen samples of his terrorism. I, I, I have nothing to say. Where's the hangar you flew from? Where's your base of operations in Hong Kong? I don't know what you're talking about. Why were you going to take me, Splinters? Nowhere. I was just showing you the place. Oh, the story you tell of trying to break the speed record between Guam and Wake Islands is full of holes. You haven't been able to prove a thing. I've made inquiries. Guam never heard of you. Neither has Manila. Oh, come clean, Splinters. Don't have a false sense of loyalty to a man who won't turn a hand to help you if you're taken by the police. It ain't loyalty. It's, it's it... fear. Fear, isn't it? Fear of what the octopus will do if you fail. You knew a typhoon was coming up when you attempted to kidnap Speed, and yet you dare fly into her, rather than face the revenge of the octopus if you fail to accomplish what he ordered you to do. Yeah, Barlow, that's it. He said he'd torture me. I'd rather die in my plane clean and quick than go back to him and be tortured to death. Then lead us to him, Spinders. Help us in our fight against the worst criminal ring of the 20th century, and return to the United States to face the music, knowing that you've done your bit to end crime. Yeah, you're right. I'll tell. I'll tell. He's... Oh, look out! Someone broke the window! He's come after me. He told me he'd get me, no matter where I was. Help me! Help me! Run! 
diss and say my car looks tired Hit my brakes, outslid skittles Tinted back window with the bubble in the middle Whose car is it? Posse won't say We all play it off when you look our way Rolling for a deep tie, smoke up the block Gotta roll this bucket cause my Benz is in the shop My hootie On my left front wheel keeps clicking Picked up the girlies, now we're eight deep Cars barely moving, but now we got heat Made a left turn as I watched in fright My ex-girlfriend shot out my headlights She was standing in the road, so I smashed her toes Mashed my pedal, boom, down she goes Boy ain't lying, long hair's flying We flip the skis off, dumb girl starts crying Baby called the cops, now I'm getting nervous The cops see a beaver and the suckers might serve us side street and what do we find some young punk dropping me a flip off sign put the deuce in reverse and started to curse another sucker on the south side about to get hurt homie got scared so i got on yeah my group got paid but my group's still strong posse move north my hoopy rolling tailpipe dragging heat don't work and my girl keeps Three got stolen, bumper shook loose, chrome keeps scraping, mismatched tires and my white walls flaking, hit Mickey D's, my Haraji starts to bug, he ate a quarter pounder through the pickles on my rug, running, moving, tabs expired, girlies try to diss and say my car looks tired, hit my brakes, outslid skittles, tinted back window with the bubble in the middle, whose car is it, posse won't say, we all play it off when you look our way, rolling for a deep tie, smoke up the block, this bucket cause my Benz is in the shop My Off sign. Put the deuce in reverse and started to curse Another sucker on the south side about to get hurt Homie got scared, so I got on Yeah, my group got paid, but my group's still strong Posse moved north, heading for the CD Riding real fast so the cops don't see me Mismatched tires, got my boys uptight Two Vogues on the left, Uniroyal on the right Hoopty, bouncing, running on leaded This is what I sport when you call me big-headed A pothole crusher, red light rusher of a brother cause I'm plowing over suckers in a hoopty 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 Ton monster, econobox stomper Snatch your girly if you don't I'll romp a dinosaur rush Looking like shab Some get bold but some get smashed Cops 
say the car smokes, but I won't listen. It's a 692, so the hell with emissions. Rolling in Tacoma, I could get burned. Better make a U-turn. Spotted this freak with immense posterior. Trying to roll smooth through the hilltop area. Brother start letting off, kicking that racket. Thinking I'm a rock star, slinging them packets. I ain't with that, so I smooth eject. Hit I-5 with the dope cassette. Playing that tough crew, hardcore dope. The tape deck broke. Damn, what's next? Brothers in Gore-Tex. Trying to find a spot where we could hunt for a sec. Found a little club called the NCO. Military competition, you know. I ain't really phased cause I pop much game. Rolled up tough cause I got much fame. How you doing, baby? My name is Mix-a-Lot. Mix-a-Lot got a Benz, boy. Quit smoking that rock. Ooh. I got this, but it ain't no thing. Running that game with the homemade slang. Baby got ished. Brimolo gift. Keep laughing at the car and you might get clipped by a hoop D. Rolling with your posse is the only way to go. Your posse is the only way to go Running out of gas, stuck in traffic Far left lane, throwing up much static Input, output, carburetor full of soot What you want me to do, Mix? Push, freak, push, sputter, sputter Rolling over gutters Cars dip low with hardcore brothers Tank on E, bull in the Arco Cops on tip for Colombian cargo We fit a stereotype, that's what he said Big long car for big black heads Keep jocking, grabbing like gators about stereotypes. I'm looking nothing like no Jaeger. Cop took my wallet, looked at my license. His partner said, Damn, they all look like Tyson. Yes, I'm legit, so they gotta let me go. This bucket ain't rolling in snow. It's my hoopty. To keep you suckers tripping Everybody's looking If you're jealous, turn around The AMG kick Keeps us closer to the ground We're getting good grip From the 50 series tires The Alpine's bumping But I need the volume higher Cause the 808 kick drum Makes the girlies get done We're rolling Rainier And the jealous wanna get some Every time we do this Sucker MCs wanna battle I'm the man they love to hate The JRU of Seattle Picked up the posse On 23rd and Jackson Heading for the strip Yes, we're looking for some action The limo's kinda crowded The whole car was leaning back Maharaji's watching TV With two girlies on his lap On Martin Luther the king, the set looks kinda dead We need a new street, so posse move ahead We all look kinda swath, the crew you can't forget The mix-a-lot posse cola ripping up the set My posse's on Broadway My posse's on Broadway Posse up! My posse's on Broadway 
sword There's not another posse with more points scored We don't walk around like criminals or flex like big gorillas My homeboy kid sensation is the teenage lady killer Maharaji's on the deaf side dancing like a freak The girlies see his booty and the knees get weak Larry is the white guy, people think he's funny A real estate investor who makes a lot of money Clacking lots of dollars, we all got gold Cruising in his bins and ain't got no place to go Will in 23rd, we saw nothing but thugs The girlies was too skinny from smoking all them drugs Cause the rock man got them and their butts just dropped The freaks look depressed because our bins won't stop At 23rd and Union, the driver broke left Kevin shouted, Broadway, it's time to get deaf. My girl blew me a kiss. She said I was the best. She's looking mighty freaky in a black silk dress. The closer that we get, the crazier I feel. My posse's on Broadway, it's time to get ill. The girlies by the college was looking for a ride We tried to pick them up, but we had no room inside We put them on the trunk, we put them on the hood Some sat up with the driver, they made him feel good The posse's getting bigger, there's much too many freaks My muffler's dragging, my suspension's getting weak Now the freaks are getting hungry and mix a lot streetin' We stopped at Taco Bell for some Mexican eating But Taco Bell was closed, the girls was on my tip They said, go back the other way, we'll stop and eat a dip is the place where the cool hang out The swaths like to play and the rich flaunt clout Posse to the burgers stand so big we walk in twos We're getting dirty looks from those other sucker crews Kick sensation dropped a 20 and didn't even miss it Skeezer from another crew, she picked it up and kissed it Her boyfriend's illin', he went to slap her face My homeboy PLB, cold sprayed the boy with mace Cause I never liked a punk who beat up on his girl If you don't have game, then let her leave your world We took his girl with us, with him she rode the bus She gave the boy the finger and the sucker starts to cuss Boy, I got a deaf posse, you got a bunch of dudes you broke cold crying about the rock man blues You beat up on your girl and now you're all upset She's with the Mix-A-Lot posse on the Broadway set Without a patter. We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. 
MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2pm. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2pm. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to ten p.m. And I laugh because five dollars—I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. 
Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 8.06. Buy our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for eight bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh, yeah. It goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section 